0: I'm Alex Melaris.
1: And I'm Tai Seifu.
0: The Canadiens game finished about half an hour ago as we are starting to record the 2-1 win over the Ottawa Senators. Uh, my initial reaction to it was that that's one of the worst wins of all time. Uh, we're going to get to that. But first, I think for I think what is the third week in a row, we're going to open up with everyone's least favorite player, Tony D'Angelo. Uh, and I think this will be for the last time, at least for a while, uh, because the stuff about Georgiev kind of broke like right after we stopped recording last week. I was like, Georgiev punched him in the face after D'Angelo made a snarky comment after the overtime. Well, everyone knows about this at at this point. And D'Angelo has played his last game for the Rangers, and they're trying to make a deal. I've been kind of surprised. I think Darren Dreger said on TSN, like, oh, there are actually some suitors for D'Angelo, which is hopefully that's just the kind of thing where like, oh, yeah, well, we can take him and sit him at home and then buy him out. Um, I I don't see how any team could possibly spin that PR in a positive way if you acquired Tony D'Angelo and actually intend on playing him. Um, I don't know if you have any differing thoughts, but I don't imagine you do.
1: No, I don't. I mean, there's no saving face if you trade for this guy because he's uh he's too right wing for right wing hockey. Like uh, it's just you know clearly he's drawn the eye of everybody on his team. He's un he's not he's done playing with the Rangers, right? I think they announced that too. Right, he's not playing anymore with that for them. Uh, he's played his last game, and yeah, I think I think this whole uh, whole trade interest buzz. I think it might be the Rangers just trying to like pump the stock a little bit more because uh, this guy's at nothing uh, now at this point. And uh, yeah, like i don't, like look, D'Angelo. I don't think he's playing the rest of this season. I don't think any team would take that. Uh, I don't think any team's trading for him uh, next season though. What do we expect? Do we do we have any sort of high expectations for the AHL from a moral standpoint uh, when it comes to Tony D'Angelo? Because like, yeah. Anyways, if the Rangers could accept it all the way up until this point, is there another team that you think would take a chance on this guy? Because, you know, uh I think somebody would, no? Just I think because should...
0: of I just think because of all the attention it's drawn, I'd actually be kind of surprised if he played in the NHL again. Unless he huh. really did like uh some sort of KHL revenge tour and he came back and he has him sort of like, Yeah, I realized the the wrong ways of my past self but the fact that he's uh gotten suspended so many times at so many levels for so many different things and now this is kind of blown up i really don't think like i have no reason to believe at all that he's gonna change or anything and you say like too right wing for right wing hockey honestly um i know a lot of people don't want to hear this i don't uh, probably about half the nhl uh shares at least somewhat similar political views to tony d'angelo Um, and are quiet about it. Just think of like, we know Seth Jones, we all see his Twitter likes, uh, but he's, you know, he doesn't go yelling about it. Uh, he's not annoying to his teammates. His teammates seem to like him for better or for worse. And that's just one example. Uh, And you can pick out a couple others in the Blue Jackets, Wawrenski, Max Domi, Nathan Gerby, and probably plenty and plenty of others around the NHL who just never say anything about it and their teams don't mind. And And so that's really the big reason Tony Angelo has been, uh, you know, kind of shoved aside, not to mention using racial slurs in the past in junior, getting suspended for it. Uh, Several abusive official suspensions throughout his time in the NHL. Um, so, and obviously as much as we hate to see it, the breaking point wasn't any of that wasn't any of the, you know, racism, discrimination, or bigoted views. It was, um, when his own goalie, uh, punched him in the face, that was the last straw for, for the Rangers. So I don't think this is a problem of, uh, yeah, you like Trump. So, so no one wants you on their team. It's really just more of how, how loud he is about it.
1: Yeah. And, and he's like pretty obviously a locker room cancer at this point, uh, because, uh, he got punched in the face by his fricking goalie. Um, and the backup of that, and he's so, the one uh, who got waved, yeah. And he's one. <laughs> exactly, um, that that tells you something, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's crazy this guy, how many like second, third, millionth chances this guy has got, despite being like an out and out racist. Uh, and like, he's like, you talk about like hockey, you don't want distractions, you know, like play, shut up and play hockey. Well, this guy's a walking, talking distraction, and up until now, like he has a freaking podcast where he rants and airs his nonsense stuff. And well, for you know, it just goes to show that, uh, well, you know, it's just uh, a little questionable. Uh, well, the NHL is a bit... Anyways. Meanwhile, okay. Joshua, sang meanwhile.
0: Slept, meanwhile, meanwhile Joshua Sang slept Meanwhile, slept in uh, one training camp like four years ago and also wore number 66. And now he's too much of a d- d- distraction to play in the NHL again. Uh, Joshua Sang is a black player, by the way. I-, I think Rachel Dory pointed out, if Anthony D'Angelo weren't white, there's no chance at all he would get any more leeway than josh hosang has gotten who's uh still i think technically under contract with the islanders but he's been loaned to a team in the swedish league uh for the for this part of the season
1: yeah they made him disappear right um right they didn't give him any playing time in the minors and now he's off in europe and uh yeah you can't like if he was white and given that he had like he had, he was like a second round pick right you would have First round pick, right? You'd imagine you'd have more leeway. Like this, this the NHL is a problem. We've talked about it before. Um. Anyways, moving on. Oh, the Twitter thing. Do we talk about the Twitter thing? The last uh, thing like we saw with the, the burner,
0: <laughs> the burner. I'm pretty sure it's not a burner. Uh, we all oh, got no. excited. We all thought it was a burner. Uh, yeah. I think it's pretty conclusive now at this point. Um, the Mister Booth thing uh, that I sent over to you was probably the. The thing that was like, wow, if this is if this is really true, then this is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. But at the same time, it kind of, I think, uh, shot the credibility down a little bit for anyone who didn't see. Basically, uh, Mr. Booth underscore seven is a pretty popular uh, Canucks Twitter account, had a DM conversation with NYR fan that he uh, he he posted where he tried to convince NYR fan that Tony D'Angelo was being traded to the Canucks. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I'm a friend with the Canucks assistant GM. I say it's almost a done deal. Third round pick retained salary. And NYR fan was like posting uh, like their text messages with Pat Brisson allegedly. And Pat, Pat Brisson was like, uh, how many times do I have to tell you to stay the fuck off Twitter, go to bed. And it was very funny, but like uh, at the same time, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure this is just a good actor having a fun time
1: yeah it seems too good to be true is what it is right and in these kind of scenarios where it does seem too good to be true it's usually too good to be true and uh you know shout out to mr booth shout out to all these people if uh because for giving us a good laugh and also it just goes to show you know this whole thing was kind of we kind of like have believed it well what, what were the percentages we gave like last week where i think i gave a percentage like 50% or 40% or something like that anyways uh um, i think i
0: was up to like 75 or 80 wow. at one point
1: okay all right which
0: is probably um, uh...
1: <laughs> so yeah you know, uh yeah too good to be true is how i would put it but it's fucking hilarious and you know who knows now now, now it's like the percentages are, are all out of whack i would say like 97 percent sure that this is not tony d'angelo but mm. you know you never know you got, i still got that three percent looking in the back of my mind and if it does come out, there's Tony D'Angelo. Okay, okay. We will we'll have a ball on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't think it ever will. All right. No, okay.
0: Enough for Tony. He's taken up oh, plenty my. of time. Um, the Habs played four games this week. Want to start with the good ones at the beginning or the less fun ones more recently?
1: All right. I think we should go in chronological order. And because, uh, uh, all right. Yeah. So let's start all with right. the good stuff. We got a back to back against a familiar foe that We've seen so many times this season the Vancouver Canucks, uh, and as they basically have for the entire season so far um, in their season series. Well, it looks like the Habs had Vancouver's number, and in particular Tyler Toffoli had the Vancouver Canucks number. I think he's got like two more goals uh, over there, or three more goals over the course of those two games, and he's up. I think he's like the league leader in goals right now. So you know you might stop the count, <laughs> give him the Rocket Richard. It's over. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, the Habs look dominant, man. It wasn't close. And just goes to show, like, uh, Vancouver, I think their stock went up. Like, people were like, ooh, Vancouver, what's up with that? They had a nice little winning streak. Well, the reason for that is yeah, they were playing, was... like, fucking Ottawa. Exactly, three times in a row. So, um, you know, nothing much to see there in terms of Vancouver. Clearly, like, not not one of the top four teams. Certainly would not be in contention for anything if it was a regular season uh, and they were in the Pacific. Uh, so, yeah, not much to see there. And the Habs continue to have the Canucks number. And it was fun to watch. Can't say that about the last two games, yeah. though.
0: Yeah, we can. we'll get to that. okay. Let's talk about the Canucks games first. So first, they they beat the Canucks six to two, which was lots of fun. Um, they were up six one actually after the second period, and then kind of sort of took their foot off the gas for number three. Um, I don't remember much about this game. I I it was kind of just like I don't know, super fun all the way across the board. You know, I feel like people talk about this at the World Juniors. Are like, oh, you gotta, you know. I guess it's kind of different, but like when there are, there are always some blowouts every year at the World Juniors, um, and people complain, especially this year for whatever reason, people complain that like oh you gotta, I don't know, have less teams or fewer teams in the tournament. Uh, no one ever seems to complain when Montreal beats Vancouver six to two, and you know why? Because blowouts are a lot of fun, especially when you're on the winning side of it. It's fun to just sit back, not be too worried. Your team's up six one going into the third period, and then of course the next night, uh, Toffoli scored another two. Josh Anderson also scored another two. Those two additions, they've been talking about them. They were talking about them a lot on TSN today, how great they've both been. Uh, possibly, maybe besides Nick Suzuki, I'd say Toffoli and Anderson uh, are the, have been the two most important forwards for the team. Definitely those three. So it's great to see those additions working out so well. They each had two goals in that 5-3 win against Vancouver. Toffoli, as you say, is now first in the NHL in goals. Josh Anderson, though, tied for second now with a couple other players, has eight so uh, a couple of elite scoring threats on the Montreal Canadiens.
1: Yeah, look, I think I saw Rachel Dory post something about their, like, the Habs shooting percentage um, is, like, something ridiculous right Stats now. Stats are for nerds. Yeah, okay. Stats All are right. for nerds. Shoot, my bad. Um, but, okay. uh, like, uh, ooh, those two are on one hell of a heater. And Jeff Petrie, too, right? Uh, you might have given him the north. Uh, Stop the count. I think, well, what's he at now? Like, six goals, eight assists. Something crazy, he leads the defenseman in something or, or another. I think it's points and goals. And goals. Uh, yeah. So, you know, he's been at ha- but like the the shooting percentage is gonna regress eventually. That's what the numbers say anyway. But uh look, enjoy the a while it lasts. And I mean, you you love the blowouts, right? They're just so fun to watch. Uh especially when you're on the winning team, especially when it's a team like Vancouver. Uh and it's just it's fun to dunk on these teams where uh and it's it's the Foley too, right? Like his old team, you know, like I think Jim Benning. What did, did he give a quote this week? He was like, "Oh, we ran out of time. We we yeah, would yeah. have left to re resign to Foley." Uh, yeah, you ran out of time. More like you ran out of fucking cap space is what it was. Um, but uh, yeah, it's lots of fun. It was lots of fun. Uh, playing against Vancouver. And how many games do we have left against them? Like four, three, four, five? Uh, um, I think I think
0: four. Yeah, we don't play them till till like uh the early parts of March, I think. Uh, which is about a month away. Um, I don't know the exact date, but we have four more games against Vancouver from here on out, uh, and we haven't even played the Jets yet. Uh, right. I'm not sure when that's coming up, probably not that far off, so yeah, a little look, bit out of balance for us to be expected.
1: I gotta say, I think I'm gonna look forward to these uh, Habs-Canucks games more than I look forward to the Habs-Sens games, which is uh, the opposite of what I expected coming into this week, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeesh. The Canucks are so fun to
0: talk about. We talk about them uh, throughout the offseason intermittently yep. because they're just so much fun to dive into. They should be so good right now. They should be so good when you drafted Pedersen, Hughes, Brock Besser, uh, you and Bo Horvat as well. You have this great floor, uh this great core. Niels Hooglander also, and obviously there's you know Louis Erickson, Tyler Myers, Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, Brandon Sutter. The same names we'll say over and over again. They have more than any other team a bunch of vastly overpaid players. And that amounted to them losing Tyler to Foley. Uh, this offseason, uh, Demko, Hughes, and Pedersen all need new contracts. I don't know how they're going to work it out. They're probably, uh, unless they just you know do some buyouts, they might have to give up some more prospects and picks to be able to shed salary. So it's it's really Jim Benning's mistakes are really catching up to him. It's a wonder he's been able to hold on to this job for so long. And I was listening to Staff and Graff yesterday. Um, they said, so, I didn't really know... Um, that oh okay so people say like oh the Canucks have drafted pretty well over the past little while and I kind of had that in my mind too. Um, the two big blunders they've made in Jim Benning's tenure, uh, kind of kind of a while ago now. Jake Fertanen sixth overall, Oliu Levy fifth overall. Now every team is going to have some draft picks they regret over a stretch of time. It's not that weird, but apparently, and I didn't know this, Judd Brackett, who was the Canucks' uh, head amateur scout a really long time and just left recently, joined the Minnesota Wild, uh, Was Uh and it, everyone seems to think he's one of the best amateur scouts there is, was really pushing for the Canucks to take William Nylander. And this was Jim Benning's first draft on the job uh, in 2014 with Vancouver. And he was like, mm, you know, I like the bigger guy better. Jake Tannen instead. William Nylander, of course, goes two picks later. And then similar thing in 2016, Judd Brackett apparently preferred Matthew Kachuk. And Jim Benning said, we really need some defensemen in the system. I'm going to take you Levy. So imagine this Canucks, you add Kachuk and Nylander to this. Uh, even even if you still made, you know, these uh, terrible signings, those two players would probably be a pretty big help. So drafting hasn't been, you know, Jim Benning's strong suit either. I think Judd Brackett gets all the credit there for any
1: good picks the Canucks
0: made along the way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hadn't heard of that, but, uh, you yeah, know, it's clear at this point, Jim Benning, is not a very good GM at all. Uh, and yeah, it's just so entertaining because, uh, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. And, you know, we've seen teams in the salary cap bind, right? But for the most part, they usually find a way to wriggle out of it, you know? Uh, but not Vancouver. Oh my goodness. A lot of times it's uh,
0: good and you have a lot of good players getting, getting paid appropriately. Like, like Tampa Bay, Toronto.
1: Right. Exactly. But this time you have a bunch of albatrosses and yeah, this, this team has more albatrosses than, uh, you'll ever see just, just left and right defense offense. And hell, I'd even say goaltending with that fucking Braden holby contract, uh, even though it's only two years. So uh, it's it really is, and, and like exactly, we had this last off season. We talked about them basically week after week uh, how they were, you know, handcuffed. They're gonna lose Markstrom. They're gonna lose to Foley. And look at that, they went the they both went to Canadian teams. So now they got to play both of them like ten times a year. But not only that, yeah. Um, but uh, it, we're gonna probably gonna be talking about them all off season this season too, right? With those contracts that you talked about that that are still up, you know, uh. Like your your Quinn Hughes, your Elias Pettersson, and your Thatcher Demko, right? So, uh, yeah, plenty of like podcast content over here from the Canucks, and so shout out to them for that right there. Uh, but not for the cap management stuff. Oh my goodness, what a disaster! Everyone,
0: yeah, everyone seems to think that the Seattle Kraken are going to take Holtby. I don't see why they would. Uh, when you're four point three million. I know, I know they might not necessarily try to make the playoffs right out of the gate, but there are probably going to be, there are definitely going to be other backup goalies around the NHL available who I'd rather have than Brayden Holtby, who's just been on a downward trend for the past three years or so. He's an under 900 again this year. I actually, I just opened the Seattle expansion simulator. Obviously, you can't really tell what it's going to be like with any trades, any contract extensions that are going to happen between now and then. But I'm trying to uh, kind of get a gauge for who else is maybe going to be available for seattle to
1: take jake allen Um, i would take jake allen man over over oh yeah yeah yeah
0: for goalies yeah for goalies of course yeah i think i think jake allen is probably i think this is probably going to be his only year with montreal i'd be surprised if he didn't end up in seattle but i'm just looking at vancouver see who's going to be available from that team um and to be honest uh not much worth protecting here uh (laughs) maybe they'll end up with like um I don't know uh, if maybe do they like Jake Virtanen, Tyler Mott, uh, Jonah Gajevich kind of showed some promise. He's 22 now. Uh, I would probably I wouldn't mind taking a, a decent bottom six forward like like Tyler Mott instead of like Braden Holtby. That just doesn't appeal to me at all. When there are going to be so many other better goalies available like Jake Allen,
1: but we don't have to talk about Seattle yet. Yeah, oh, even okay. though well, I just did. Yeah, we'll just we'll save it for the off season, right? It'll be an off season of plenty of fun with these Canucks uh, expansion contracts. That's right. Hopefully, hopefully, Seattle doesn't build about by taking like uh, Tyler Mars. But even if they do, yeah, Tyler Mars. But even if they do, you know, look, they'll probably take a fat sweetener for it. So uh, you know what? I'm here for anything, uh, and uh, just I'm bringing out the popcorn for this team.
0: You know, I think I think I don't think my I don't see that happening at all. Uh just because there's so much term left for Myers, I think uh maybe someone like Beagle who would still have who would just have one year left after this one or either Beagle or Roussel at 3 million dollars and Vancouver's going to need to clear up the cap space right away for that next season. Seattle probably wouldn't mind. Okay, we'll take one of these veteran players. Um we will take a sweetener just for a year. It'll be fine.
1: Yeah. Uh and we saw Vegas do that with big success and for a team like Vancouver, I mean, that's what you got to do, right? You got to, like, this is, but like, do you, I like, I think, yeah, at this point, I think you have to, I would argue that like what, what the lesson that we learned from Vegas was like, don't deal with Vegas. Just let them take whatever player they want. Right. And then like cut your losses. But in this case, in the tight salary cap, like there's really no one while like maybe like, but there's a very limited subset of teams that you could trade these guys to because there's nobody has the cash space to take it on. Uh, even if you do offer that sweetener, so
0: you, mm. know, you know you're really in a conundrum there.
1: Yeah.
0: Seattle might not have that much room either because they're probably gonna uh, they're probably gonna be some good players exposed who are exposed just because they get paid a lot. Uh, like the, are the Flyers gonna expose Jakub Voracek making eight point two five till twenty twenty four? I wouldn't be too surprised if they did. And does I don't know does Seattle take a run at that at a player like that of Voracek's caliber? Maybe. I don't know, and if, if if Seattle really likes that type of that type of thing, then they might not have that much room left to just yeah sure we'll take we'll take on Antoine Roussel, whatever,
1: yeah but like that's it they'll, they'll still I think they'll still have I haven't done like the the whole like mock expansion draft or anything but I think they'll I still mean, have they're... space to like make a make a deal on the side you know like uh take like three million bucks because they're starting mm-hmm. from zero right in terms of cap so uh, you know and like how many players are like like uh like big cap players are gonna take. Well I guess you could, like that's a thing um like long term planning wise does it make sense to take one of those old dudes um yeah, we'll see what we'll see like that's what's interesting about Seattle right uh the, like it's it all goes back to the precedent set by Vegas they came in and they won a whole bunch uh so mm-hmm. you know do they take a more cautious approach try to build uh like you're like really just start with a rebuild like start fresh like that or do you try to contend in year one um yeah It'll be interesting how they they approach the strategies because then that'll completely impact who they take in this expansion draft. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, okay. Oh, we so really got to is Seattle it to move on? Yeah, we really just dove into Seattle like that. Wow, look at look yep. at us go. Uh, so the Canadians lost to the Senators on Thursday, three to two. And you know, leading into that game. You know what, everyone was talking about uh, was how bad the Senators had been. They hadn't won since their first game of the season, and they had lost nine in a row, and no one could get enough of talking about how bad the Senators are. Look, at, They they're were they're on, on pace for like half a point, and they, they were like, what would they, they were one, eight, and one or something. It was just a total disaster for them. Total tire fire. Even worse than anyone had expected. Matt Murray sucks. Marcus Hogberg sucks. Uh, no good defenseman except Thomas Shabbat. And then they beat the Canadians that night, three to two. Um, which was which was not fun at all, uh, and you know I actually I, I wrote something that I wanted to mention, uh, which was basically that like um, when you're like a consistently good team like Montreal has been so far for the most part, and and we expect success and we expect wins out of them, one stinker every once in a while it kind of it starts to like become acceptable. I think that's one of the reasons why like Leafs fans for example would get so riled up after losses, not really this year, but, like, last year especially, was because they'll have, like, two great games in a row, and they look great, and then one stinker. And they couldn't really ever put together, like, a couple weeks in a, in a row of success. And that's why you, they would just freak out and get mad after every loss. Um, uh, Now that Montreal's kind of had two stinkers in a row, I kind of, I don't stand by that statement quite as much, but I think the the sentiment still sort
1: of applies. Yeah, I you know, I look at these two games, and I kind of have the opposite reaction. I think we're all... Maybe riding the hype train a bit too hard with the Habs. I think we should still I think we should I think it's a product of we're playing a bunch of bad teams because we're like in a really bad division with dog shit teams that we play ten times a year, like your Vancouver, like your Oilers, uh, and like your senators. Um, and it's just kinda like dunking on them, which is fine, right? That's what you want to see. But, you know, I've seen comparisons where oh, look at the league standings. They're right up there with like Boston for like first in the league in terms of points. Uh, Like, don't kid yourself. It's just because they're playing the North Division. I think we need to temper expectations. Because great teams, like Stanley Cup contending teams, I would say, they take care of business. Um, And yeah, sure, you have your occasional stinker and whatnot. But a team this atrocious, like the Ottawa Senators, frankly, there is no excuse. We've seen other teams just in this division, hell, that are worse than the Habs that took care of business. We saw the Jets do so. And we saw the Canucks do so that we just talked about, right? They won like three in a row. Um, and to come out, not just the first game, but then today's game where they won, but like, as you said earlier, it was excruciating to watch. Um, it's frankly unacceptable. Uh, well, it would be unacceptable if you were a Stanley Cup contender, is what I'm saying. And so maybe start to temper expectations a bit. This is certainly a playoff team and they're going to make the playoffs this year. As I said, like, it's a hundred percent guarantee. Um, you can bank it right now, but, and this is a playoff team, but you know, is this one of the best teams in the league? hardly so and you know that's what good teams do sometimes they give stinkers to bad teams and they have bad stretches and i think that's what we got to come to expect from these halves uh is it nice when you go eight, eight what was it before there it was eight one and two or seven one and two yeah it's great you go on a little heater playoff teams will do that um but is it reasonable to expect that we won't have any stinkers or even bad stretches that's reserved for i think like your colorados your tampa bays uh, your Boston's and the Habs aren't there yet, and so you know it's it sucks, but I'm accepting this. The Habs just aren't that tier of team just yet.
0: One reason I really, I really wish the Habs had had won the Sens because I've beaten the Sens uh both times or at least played well both games. Um, was is that I wanted to dunk on the Sens roster so badly <laughs> and how awful they were. I really, I really wanted to. I, did you see that? Um, I think you know it was against the Oilers. Uh, Thomas Chabot was injured, and for whatever reason, DJ Smith didn't really feel like playing Eric Brandstrom. So they had uh, their sixth defense and were like Zaitsev, Goodbranson, Braden Coburn, Josh Brown, Artem Zub, and Mike Riley were the Ouch. six with Marcus Hogberg in net. And did you did you see that that like, that screen grab of like Drysaddle was going down the wing and Marcus Hogberg was just like. He just lost position and just went out of his net and left like half of the half of the net just totally wide open, and they lost
1: sure like eight five uh-huh, yeah, I saw I think I saw that screenshot
0: mm-hmm. yeah, so so I wanted to I was hoping for something similar, and it just it just didn't happen um for well, reason number one is that Montreal played I think their two worst games of the year uh well even though they they won today, they were arguably worse today than against the Sens, at least from start to finish because one of the things that did sink them against in their first game against Ottawa was that last minute of the first period. Um, Shabbat scored that goal. And then uh, someone took a penalty. I can't remember who, but it was probably Ben Chirot. We'll get to him taking all those penalties. And then Stusla scored. Uh, so it went from one nothing leading to 2-1 down at first intermission. And they could just they didn't bounce back after a pretty decent first period.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, and, man, is that is that a Habs thing? Or is that just like a general thing? Like... It looks like they have a lot of these, uh, like late period collapses, or even not necessarily late period, late period, but just like where they give up like chunks of goals. Um, and I, I, I know they've scored like that as well, but uh, like that kind of thing, like it happened against the Leafs too, uh, when they lost there early, very early in the season. But it just feels like, uh, and also against the Canucks at one point, I don't remember which game it was, uh, against the Canucks. There've been so many, but there was at one point, uh, they ended up winning the game. Uh, but it was like two nothing, and then all of a sudden it was two two. Uh, and so they need to clean it up on this kind of, and they were like, they give up a goal and then it seems like under a minute later, they give up another one. And in this case, they just weren't able to recover. Uh, I guess they're out to a team that's yeah, for some reason, like they couldn't buy a save for like 11 games. I think their team save percentage was like somewhere in the mid eight hundreds, which is freaking atrocious. So, uh, yeah, to, to score one goal, uh, I get, or what it was two goals by the end of it. Right. Um, to score two goals against the freaking Senators in both games, is uh, it's not a good look.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really okay. Yeah, so that is the number one thing: is Montreal didn't play great. Combine that with the Sens played probably their best game of the season so far, uh, and combine that also with the fact that Matt Murray actually looked pretty good in both of them, and that was the recipe for Ottawa to beat Montreal just barely by one goal. Uh, and to not even be able to win today on uh, on Saturday, even though I was Ottawa, I think outplayed Montreal today as well. They hit a, I think like at least two posts in the second period, um, and Montreal just they looked bad. They looked so flat footed, like the the energy, like the pace, the like whatever culture. I don't know that they've been playing with for all season. It just seemed like it totally evaporated into thin air, and I don't know why. it, it might be the same kind of thing that happened when they played the Red Wings last year, they lost four times against the awful Red Wings. And how I don't, sometimes there can be a tendency for teams to stoop down to the opponent's level, which I never understood. And it's a very bad sign, but that might be an, uh, an explanation.
1: Yeah. I saw that comparison, right? Is Ottawa now just like the Detroit from Red last East. year? Um, <laughs> like it, it's worrisome. It's worrisome. It's like, you know, playing down to your opponent. That's not what you want to see from a team. And yeah, uh, it's just, their style—they were playing their style of play. They weren't playing as fast as they usually do. And I mean, credit to Jake Allen, right? Uh, he looked great. He was like, hey, I give him first star of today's game." Uh, and mm-hmm. like, they were freaking outshot by the Sens. What more do you need to say? I don't like shots. Are, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty. What, what, do you, what do you say? Like, uh, primitive stat. But like, it's that's that's just frankly unacceptable. Like, what the hell are you doing? It's a bunch of scrubs on the Senators team. Why are you giving up freaking thirty-five shots? It makes absolutely. No sense. It's it's like, it's, it's stupid. And so, uh, and yeah, you talk, you you want to talk about Ben Chirot now and his freaking penalties, Would you decide to take. Yeah. Can Ben Chirot
0: Chirot get his act together, please? What's happening here? Uh, okay. I don't really get riled up about players that often. Um, I, I, I kind of just laugh about Joel Edmondson because I'm like, I'm not expecting much from him. I expect better from Ben Sherratt than He he took two penalties in this game. They're both pretty late in the game. Uh, he took two penalties Thursday night against Ottawa as well. Um, I don't like this. I don't like this very much. Um, this, that last one, that cross-check on uh, Tim Stutzla, and as well as, uh, oh, I'm on the wrong game, but he hooked someone in the corner near the end of the game. And it was just so, I think it was Brady Kachuk. It was so egregious. He just, he just like, it wasn't questionable at all. I was like, what are you doing, Ben? Like, obviously that's a penalty. So I don't know. He, he's listed on the top pair still. Um, they lean on him as, pro- as like the third best defenseman on the team. Petrie, Weber, Sherrod are still like supposed to be the big three or whatever. Um, we, we you know, we said last year, the Ben Sherrod contract, you know, it looks pretty bad. Hopefully he can prove us wrong. He did last year. He had a great year. And now his play is taking a dip. At least these past couple of games, uh, and and I don't like it. And I want better from Ben Chirot.
1: there. That's mm-hmm. my piece. Yeah, yeah. And this team, this team as a whole needs to become more disciplined. Lots of lots of freaking stupid penalties. But uh, yeah, the bench like at the end of a game too. Uh, for the, the first game, they're losing. Like, you can't afford to take that penalty against the Sens, where you know if you don't take that penalty, five on five. I like your odds to to tie the game up. Like you know, I, I understand there wasn't much time when they made a three two, but still completely stupid penalty and uh this one you're up by a goal why are you taking dumb and obvious penalties and i think the la- the second one was like at the very very end of the game so i like it didn't make much yeah, of seconds. Yeah, yeah Yeah, so but the first one like it was like four minutes left or something and this guy's taking an obvious holding penalty it's uh yeah we're we'll- we'll just clean it up clean it up ben uh you had a good season last year we expect the same the amount you're paid and let's go less penalties please
0: mm-hmm. Uh, I made a note actually after the first period today when it was tied one-one. Uh, both goals uh could probably be blamed almost exclusively, or at least uh at least a lot of it, on one bad defenseman for each team. The first one, uh, Jeff Petrie's power play goal. Nikita Zaitsev uh tries to clear the puck on the penalty kill, uh, and fails miserably. Like it, it wasn't even. It, it was basically just like a perfect pass uh to, to like Jeff Petrie's glove, and he just batted it down super easily. And it it was just absolutely terrible. And Joel Edmondson, uh, we can blame him, I think, for the Sens' goal today. It wasn't quite as egregious, but he just kind of he went down to block the shot, and he went out of position. And then, um, I think it was Colin White was just left totally alone in front of Jake Allen to just you know bang the puck away totally uncontested. So uh, there, that's some insight. And there was also okay one last thing. Unless you have um any note on those two goals, Eric Branson, and that headshot on Jake Evans, oh that went uncalled again. It looked; it was very similar to what we saw from Tyler Myers on Armia. Um, and the so the, on the broadcast, they even said, "Oh yeah, Goodbranson's like five inches taller than Jake Evans, so that's going to happen." Well, guess what, Eric Goodbranson, you're five inches tall. I'm going to say the exact same thing I said about Myers. Uh, then guess what? You're still not allowed to hit them in the head. And actually, uh, apparently he is. Apparently he is allowed to hit in the head, uh, because it wasn't called. Uh, it looks like the, the refs didn't care. Uh, player safety, refereeing. I feels like either we're just all noticing it more and more, or it's gotten worse and worse. Because the fact that that kind of hit, that dangerous hit, could just go totally uncalled, uh, a bit, very big cause for concern.
1: Yeah, that's this guy is clearly finishing his check upwards. If you look at the replay, and uh, yeah, you hit the head. You're not allowed to hit the head. It's as simple as that. And the NHL is like looking the other way. And it's uh, for a team like the Habs, where they're like more on the speed side you don't really see them hit as much especially on the forward core uh it's uh you'd like to see a bit more protection uh, and that's not just the halves it's all across the league you'd like to see more protection for the smaller guys uh and not just the smaller guys all the players you want to protect their heads uh so it makes no sense why it wasn't called uh primary contact or not like whatever uh if it's a hit to the head it's a hit to the head should be called a penalty uh should be reviewed suspension because uh yeah, we keep talking it's like how, how many times have we talked about a hit to the head to a Has player at this point in the season? Like three, like three. Um, and I don't think we're getting a suspension on any of them. So pretty egregious, pretty egregious, and and it sucks to watch, man. It sucks to watch. They got to go to the locker room. They go through the protocol. You worry for them, and you know the long term effects of these kind of impacts. Even if it's not a concussion right off the bat, uh, these things add up. So yeah, it's just uh, to clean it up. Got to clean it up, and just uh, the players, but especially the league. It's, the onus is on the league. You gotta. You got to find these players. You got to suspend these players. You got to call it on the ice. Uh, because if not, they're not going to clean it up. They're not a reason to. So, uh, yeah, it's it's ugly to watch. It's what it is.
0: Uh, so, do you want to talk about how, this, how bad the Senators are and how they had a lot of draft picks, but then kind of, you know, uh, bumbled them and are probably not trending as upwards as they think they are and maybe won't be getting an unparalleled run of success this year <laughs> now? Do we want to talk about that now or do we want to wait for the Sens to maybe go on another cold streak against a couple other teams or maybe wait for Montreal to beat them a little bit later on and more convincingly? Uh, Because it kind of feels like now it isn't the right time to dunk on the Senators after these past two games.
1: No, it really doesn't um, because you're talking about like if we're we're dunking on the Sens this much at this point in the season, we're uh, indirectly dunking on the Habs who lost to them and then almost lost to them uh, today. Yeah, so uh, I'd, I'd say we give know. it. I think it's only a matter of time. Uh, you know, I think, look, I think the Habs take care of business, hopefully, the next time they meet. And uh, we have like 10 meetings. So, you know, and I certainly don't expect the Senators to hit that unparalleled run of success at any point this season. So I think, I think or uh, for the record, really anytime soon. So I think uh, we, got, we got a lot of leeway when it comes to roasting the Sens And now it just doesn't feel like quite the right time. We almost freaking blew it two times in a row against a team that has five points, 12 games into the season. So I think we pump the brakes. We'll save it for a better day.
0: Yeah, that is coming. That is coming where we we dissect the centers and their decisions to, you know, take Galchenyuk and Austin Watson and Cedric Paquette and make Matt Murray, the seventh highest paid goalie in the NHL. That is coming all of that, but not quite yet. All right, so um, you wanted to talk. I guess we can start, we could before we move on to some other topics. Uh, COVID still exists, by the way, and the NHL really cares. Uh, really cares about this. Not not quite enough to cancel the Devil Sabers game, even though uh, there is a New Jersey Devil who had played the day before, going into protocol. Not quite that much, but they do care enough to remove the glass <laughs> behind the benches.
1: Yay, we did it, guys! Um, yeah, it's a, it's a calamity at this point. What more can I say? Like the Canadian division, thank God, has still has yet to be uh, affected by a COVID case. Um, but it's clear that the NHL has a COVID problem in the states here because uh, I don't know how many games it is that's been that have been postponed. But um, it's just like I've lost track, is what it is. There are so many and involving so many different teams. It's like boom, boom, boom. They've got a cluster. They've got a cluster, and yeah, and then you see sheer stupidity with that Sabers Devils game where it's pretty obvious that a the Devils had COVID and then they like spread it to the Sabers during the game, right? Because everybody's indoors, everybody's breathing hard, uh, nobody's wearing a mask because you're not doing that in a professional sports game. It's clear and obvious that this is like the perfect setting for that. And I mean, I don't know how much of a difference fucking moving the or removing the glass makes. I heard like Florida is not gonna do that for the next little while because they have fucking fans sitting there, but um look it's just like it's it feels like it really feels like a little too little too late i don't know maybe. maybe take the fans out you could do that a good idea yeah but you know it's the nhl you gotta keep the fans in there obviously right uh and it just it's uh it's kind of depressing man and like i don't know how they're gonna like right now the outlook isn't so great i don't see them getting it really under control like what's What's the plan? Like, do we think this glass is going to make all the COVID cases go down all of a sudden? Or the lack of glass, I should say? I certainly don't think so. So I think, uh, you know, the NHL is going to try to weather the storm as best as they could. Uh, I think they're going to try to emulate the NFL where you have a handful of cases, you postpone the games, and then you kind of pick them up, pretend it's not really happening, and just kind of soldier on. Um, but frankly, it seems that at this point that the NFL is doing a better job or did a better job since their season's ending tomorrow than the NHL is because... Uh, it's really, like, a lot of the teams, and there's clear spread between the teams. We didn't see that in the NFL, I don't think, like, spread within the games, um, probably because that's, they're outdoors. But uh, it's just – it's it, it kind of seems like a disaster right now, doesn't it? Like, uh, and yep. I think the season's kind of in jeopardy. Like, maybe not like, this, like they're going to cancel the season, but I think reaching 56 games for all of the teams, I think that's in doubt at this point, just because, like, if, if these – postponements keep accumulating and the season gets, keeps getting denser and denser and denser. And just you, then you have to postpone even more games. It's just, uh I think it's a domino effect that's kind of started. And unless they really get it under control in terms of cases, I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to stop and I don't see them getting control. So, you know, it's, it's not a good outlook. I don't think for the league at all. And mm-hmm. yeah, they don't have it under control, but, is what it is.
0: Yeah. But you know what? Uh I am kind of glad that they, are postponing instead of saying like oh just just call someone up it's showtime uh which i can't remember but i think at least one of the other professional sports leagues uh just was so firmly against uh postponing games and just tried to work around it as much as they could uh just you know calling up a bunch of of taxi squad players or whatever so at least the NHL is saying okay we we're not opposed to postponing games if that's what we should do but It seems as if maybe they're not as on board with it as they should be. At least they weren't uh, back when the Buffalo Sabres expressed concern to the NHLPA on Sunday uh, about the game that they were going to play against the Devils either that day or the next day after Kyle Palmieri, who had just played against the Sabres, was placed on COVID protocol. Uh, They were like, hmm, maybe we don't want to play this team now. The NHLPA was like, eh, we'll ignore that. Go ahead and play. And then the next day right after that game, Uh, I think like 15 or 16 more Devils players. Almost the whole roster was placed on COVID protocol. And now Ralph Krueger, the Sabres coach, tested positive for COVID. And I don't know about any other Sabres players, uh, if there are any details about that. Uh, But hopefully the NHL has learned their lesson, which they should have known before. If a team complains or or expresses worry about not wanting to play, uh, you should probably listen to that. That should probably be of your utmost concern. And yet they appear not to care. uh, Which is is a shame, and I really hope that that doesn't happen again. Another point about this is let's say that uh, so you have all these postponed games, so and you want to make up all of them. That the season ends up stretching to I don't know. I think it's supposed to end on May eighth now. Say it stretches to like May twenty fourth. I don't know. So do you have say the Canadian team, the Canadian division, manages to go all year with no cases, no postponed games? Uh are you saying that like the Canadian division will end on May eighth and then be like waiting around a couple of weeks uh for all the other teams to finish up? Because if that's the case, what I would love to see, uh especially for Montreal, who as we've pointed out a couple times, has very little rest from like the start of March to the end of the season, to ask if, like, hey, if the season's gonna be extended a couple of weeks, can we maybe like stretch out our games a little bit and have a little bit more rest between them and kind of rework the schedule. it would probably be pretty complicated, but that's probably something to consider. So Canadian teams that make the playoffs don't have like two weeks off between the end of the regular season and round one.
1: Yeah. Uh, We'll see. Like we haven't reached that point, right? Where like, we don't even know if it, like if they need to extend the season, whether they'll extend the season at all, they might just like do the points percentage thing, right? They might just like cut them off at May 8th and then say, okay, we're going to do the standings based on points percentage. So, I think we're still a ways off from that kind of conversation. But, like, it's pretty obvious that, yeah, they for the Habs, that's absolutely what you want to do, right? Because, well, if you're any of the teams, right, if you've got a, if you've got a possibility of stretching your schedule out, I think you absolutely take it because, uh, well, everybody's schedules are jammed, uh, jam-packed. And, you know, if you can get some extra spacing, I absolutely would take it. And, yeah.
0: Uh, oh, actually, I just realized um, I have a couple more notes about the uh... – the Habs lost to the Sens on Thursday that aren't necessarily to do with the loss. One of them, it was Shea Weber's thousandth game, which is pretty cool. Or was it the thousandth game or was it the thousand and first, but they had a little ceremony for him. Uh, and presented him with uh, like the painting thing. And they had the little, uh, like the, I don't know, the video of like some of his teammates and like former teammates and former coaches saying nice things about him as they do. But what I wanted to point out uh, <laughs> about it was when Carrie Price was talking on the video, he used a word that I had never heard before. Um, he said that Shea Weber has demonstrated a lot of perseverance throughout his career, <laughs> and, and and me and both my parents in the room were like, "Wait, perseverance!" And I I don't know if like the PR person was like, "Hey, Carrie, oh, that's not a word. Do you want to try again?" And he was like, "No," or if they just didn't notice. But I thought that was definitely worth mentioning that Carrie Price uh, butchered the word perseverance.
1: All right, so shout out to Carrie Price for that one, I guess. Uh, or, uh, maybe he's making a new word, you know, yes. uh, maybe he's, uh, combining preserve and perseverance. Uh, so, you know, either Carey Price butchered it, you might say that, or you might say that he's really just making up cool new words. Um, either way, shout out to Shea Weber, thousand games. Uh, and I, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, and I think they mm-hmm. won the game. So like, it was, it was the Vancouver game. I'm pretty sure. And right, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good for him.
0: Uh, and also reverse retros. We talked oh, about them. We had a, like pretty much a whole episode dedicated to them in the off season. Montreal put theirs to use on Thursday against the Senators. Despite the loss, I thought they looked great. Um, everyone's you know the bleu blanc rouge of course is their the French nickname for this team. And I always thought it was funny that bleu is the first color listed there when it's by far the least prominent in all the color schemes. So it's nice to see some bleu finally getting represented here on this on this sweater. Uh, being the most prominent one, I do hope they come into action again. Even though they did lose, uh, because I believe that every design has at least one victory in it somewhere,
1: okay, in its heart. Even the even the neon stars. Won. Oh yeah, they, I think they won their game. Even the uh, neon so, stars ones. Even the neon stars won. So uh, you know, I say burn the jerseys. Uh, just like, Dude, they looked fine. They looked fine, but they played like good. they lost the Senators. So I mean, what more do I need to say to them than that? So uh. I think they're cursed. The I think in. they're cursed. I think I think if you're I think if you keep wearing them in the hopes of getting one victory, you're going to you're going to come up short every single time. So uh I say stick with the red and white just uh based on my nonsense one more time. And uh, I would like to one shout out the star Stars jersey. I would like to shout out the Stars jersey. Who also we saw like we see these retro jerseys coming in every so often and uh the Stars played them with I think it was like last week. Um and they looked terrible. I thought on the ice. Um they didn't look good but I love the novelty. So I will shout them out on a positive note. Uh, I think aesthetically, they're not very good, but they're exciting, and they gave them a win. It was the only reason the Stars won that game. So uh, I'd like to shout out those jerseys too.
0: All right. You don't want to give the, the Canadians reverse retros one more try. Just one no, more. Just one more I chance. Don't.
1: I just want to. Doesn't every jersey deserve a second case. chance, even no, if, especially because it looks good? Not if it leads you to lose to the Senators. it doesn't. So uh, I say wipe the slate clean. Uh, Go back to the drawing board. Come up with a new reverse retro, and uh, we'll talk then. We'll talk then.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. Um, So uh, we could talk a little bit about this proposal or discussion to skip the draft this year and have two drafts next year. Um, My first thought when I heard this, I thought they were proposing to raise the draft age from 18 to 19 like indefinitely like we're just going to push everyone back a year, which is something that I think a lot of scouts people, or prospect people and scouts have been talking about for a while. Like, uh, you know, so few of the 18-year-olds are ready to make the NHL anyway. Uh, it would, you know, kind of make the scout job easier and that you would see more correlation between, you know, first-round picks being better than later-round picks, which obviously there are always some, uh like a lot of diamonds in the rough or something, or oddities that you find. And so it actually would, because of that, be more helpful in theory to to the worst teams. Uh, I don't think that's something that uh, I'm not too passionate either way about moving the draft forward or backward, but that's not what's being proposed here anyway. What they're talking about is since so many 2021 draft prospects haven't played hockey anywhere since uh, the first shutdown last March, uh the scouts really like they can't get a gauge on them at all like their job is hard even harder than ever before and so they're saying you know we can wait it out no draft this year have two the next year one with all the 2021 eligibles and one with the 2022 eligibles both in 2022 i it wouldn't be merging all the players into one draft it would literally be two separate drafts potentially just like i don't know a week apart or something just two separate events which would be pretty chaotic to be totally honest. I don't love the idea of skipping a draft this year since, you know, the draft is one of my favorites, but that would be absolutely wild if they had two back-to-back drafts.
1: Um, What are your thoughts
0: on this idea? I
1: think it would be so spicy. I think it would be so spicy. Uh, And whether I think it's likely that it'll happen, you know what? Like, this isn't even just a report. Apparently, like, there's, like, numerous uh, executives in the NHL who, like, actively advocating for this because, yeah, as you said, they don't think that they have a good feel for these players because they just haven't been playing um yeah from a prospect evaluation uh, perspective i think it makes sense to push it as much as you would hate to have a whole year have to have a whole two years between drafts um like like practically speaking it makes sense to push it right um and you know you'd hate to see it for the kids who you know have to wait another year to make it to the nhl but yeah as you said like how many of them make the nhl in their first year anyways um and i think I think it's got a I think it's got a D-shit shot. I'm going to say, you know, but it is very radical though. You know, it's very radical mm-hmm. and it's going to be crazy. You know, if we have like two drafts within the span of a week, oh my goodness. Um and like two different draft orders too because I guess they'll take this season's draft order for 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 a draft mm-hmm. next year. Um I think it will be lots of spicy Oh, two different draft lotteries. Does that mean? Is that what that means? Oh man, man, I kind of like it. I think it's like it's radical and special. Like just kind of like the the new divisions this year, you know. Uh, it shakes things up. And yeah, two years between drafts is long, but like two drafts in two weeks, yeah, it's pretty enticing. I think.
0: You know, I saw something funny. Uh, I don't know if this is how it would work or not. Uh, but. The Coyotes, which will probably miss the playoffs, uh, their first round pick in the 2021 draft is forfeited because of the, uh, you know, testing, testing the you know, yep. physical testing. Yeah. Um, they still might be involved in the draft lottery just to, like, keep all the odds in balance. So we could see a year where technically there is no first overall pick. If the Coyotes Ooh. win the top pick and then it's forfeited, okay. uh, then the first pick of the draft is technically the second overall pick. But anyway, does overall, that mean, like,
1: this, oh, wait. Does that mean that, like, yeah. uh, if you're, like, the Ottawa Senators, who I'm predicting to be the worst team, like, you're guaranteed a third overall pick?
0: Uh, n- no. Oh, no? well, no, well, you wouldn't be guaranteed anything. uh, Because the Coyotes just, like, that, well, that you'd would be getting- only be, like, if they won the draft lottery.
1: Oh, wait. Oh, that's true. Good point. Very good point. Math was, on, was not on point there. But, uh... Yes, your math uh, is not on point. No. Well, <laughs> that's pretty That's pretty So interesting.
0: Yeah. So overall, with this like two drafts and was with, I mean, with this like skipping a year of the draft, I think I'm against it. I think I'm against it because uh, scouts are complaining that their job is too hard. Too bad. I don't take a guess. Do your best. Try. Just do. Just give it an honest effort. Come on. All right. You saw these players from the time they were like 15. They sure they took a year off. Uh, but guess what? You have some tape. Uh, you have uh, an estimation for how so much time off will impact them. Take a guess. Do your best. I really don't care. Uh, so I just feels like they're kind of whining a little bit, like, oh, it's too hard, it's too, which is of course a big problem with GMs too, complaining that it's too hard to make trades. On the other hand, uh, it might be worth it to take the year off for that, you know, chaotic little stretch. where We have two drafts back to back, two draft lotteries, and not to mention, uh, assuming that it's all clear and safe by june 2022 which i really hope it would be apparently uh since of course the 2020 draft was supposed to be at the bell center in montreal uh now they're saying the next draft whenever uh we can have fans there in person it'll be in montreal uh would both of those drafts take place in montreal or would they have like one in montreal then fly somewhere else for the next one i don't know maybe that would be like imagine it's like a four-day event you have like 2021 round one 2021 two through seven and then 2022 round one, 2022 two, rounds two through seven, four days back to back at the Bell Center. That'd be the greatest weekend of my life.
1: Uh, you know what? I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't think it's gonna be that close together, just because of the whole wide. Yeah, me thing. Either. I think it's like, look, if they put, if the NHL like proposes, like even like if they were a week apart, the scouts and the executives are like, ah, that's not enough time. We need more time to prepare. Oh, we have to prepare for two two whole drafts. So, uh, I think they're well, gonna you be have like two years to do it. So. That's fair. that's fair, but I think, uh, you know, I think it's going to be at least, I uh, give it like a couple of weeks. But uh, on another note, I actually disagree with you when I say, you know, like, they, they, I think the scouts have a reason to whine because, you know, there's a lot of development that goes on in that 17 to 18-year-old range where, like, a year can make a whole bunch of difference. Uh, and, you know, you see prospects whose stocks go up, go down big time, like, people we've never heard of before until this year, and then all of a sudden they're like a first-round caliber prospect. So... You know, I think it does make their job like significantly, significantly harder. Um, I mean, I guess there is a degree of whining to it, but I think I think it's with reason. So, you know, I say at this point, my preference, push it back. I say push it back. I I go for the chaos option and like two drafts within the span of a month. I would be so for that. It would be such a blast. Uh, We would have content for ages on this podcast. Uh, And yeah, let it be known. I support. The two draft year. Okay. All right. Great to hear. Great to hear.
0: Um, Here's another topic. Everyone's talking about the Olympics now that are a year away, the Winter Olympics. Everyone saw all of a sudden. It kind of came out of nowhere to me. It started, Uh, Jeff Petrie uh, had a great game as is, you know, kind of par for the course at this point. It's so amazing. Like, what a weird trajectory. Like, if he's like, what, 33 now? And it seems like he's just gone progressively better every single year since the Canadians acquired him. Anyway, uh, they were talking about how if he keeps this type of play up, you should probably make the U.S. Olympic team. And I was thinking, huh, that'd be, yeah, I guess that is a thing. And now, all of a sudden, no one can stop talking about projecting Olympic rosters. And I kind of, you know, I kind of got carried away, too. I made a couple pro- projections for these teams. We don't have to go through them right now. There'll be plenty of time for that when there isn't much to talk about. Um, but, I mean, you know what? It'll, it'll be hard for Jeff Petrie to get on the team, I think. It'll be pretty hard because uh, U.S., I think, has... Uh probably the deepest defense out of any country in the world right now, and I don't even think it's that close. And Team USA, here, I'll just read off my Team USA defense. Uh I got Charlie McAvoy, John Carlson, Seth Jones, Quinn Hughes, Jacob Slavin, Zach Wierenski, Ryan McDonough, and I did put Jeff Petrie on, but I had to cut like Adam Fox. And uh I even thought about like Ryan Souter a little bit. Uh so there are a lot of there are a lot of great options there, but yeah, the Olympics. A year away, a year away. And I don't even know if it's confirmed if NHLers are going yet, even though I really hope we get to see McDavid and Crosby on the same team at one point.
1: Look, when Jeff Petrie wins the Norse this year, I don't think there's any chance he misses the Olympic team. Um No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh yeah, it has a deep defense. No kidding, like the names on that. That's uh, if you're Team Canada. If you're newly minted Canadian GM, Olympic GM, Doug Armstrong, that is what you're fearing. I think. I think that's what kicked it off. I think that's what kicked off the discussion. The, like like, uh, hockey Canada named uh, Armstrong as their GM for the Olympics. Which, first of all, mm. I did not know was like only one year away. That always kind of shocks me. Like the Winter Olympics of like that year always happen at the very beginning. Um, it really doesn't give you time to pre- like. And I'm not even like used to the fact, even though we're already in February, that we're in 2021 yet. So like to me, the 22, 2022 Olympics are two years away, um, and. To be totally honest, it came as quite a shock when I learned, like, when I was reminded, like, a w- like three days ago, that, no, the Olympics are in a year now. Basically, a year exactly, right? Because they typically take place mm-hmm. in February. So, they're in Beijing, right? Am I, uh, am, I, am I not mistaken? Um, Is
0: the winter in Tokyo and then the summer's in Beijing? Or was it the other way around?
1: Uh, I'll look that up for right a I, I Well, the summer one was in Tokyo. Uh, okay, actually. so, yeah, the winter Probably ones will be
0: Tokyo. in Beijing, yeah.
1: So, yes, it will be in Beijing. Yeah, That's um, it. pretty spicy. So, uh, okay, all right. Like, it's didn't know that was that close. That's my take on it. And, all right, wow,
0: nice take. Uh, I'm, I'm
1: uh, yeah, and my other take is keep Drew Dowdy off the roster, please, for the love of Jesus. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, mm-hmm. my other take is that all the games will be in the middle of the night, which is gonna be pretty wacky. What a crazy uh, take! Yeah. Yeah. It was so funny with the Pyeongchang Olympics in 2018, because not just because NHL players weren't there also because everything happened overnight in our time zone. It was just like, no one cared or noticed that the Olympics were happening uh, at all here. And, you know, obviously, you know, like, um, whether the Olympics should exist at all in our world where there are, you know, so many other more serious problems is definitely a, a worthy point of discussion. And I think a valid argument against the Olympics as a whole is they, they canceled the Olympics this year and no one cared at all. Uh, like, did anyone even miss the the fucking high jump? I didn't.
1: (laughs) No, I didn't either. Um, Uh, and we had nothing
0: to do and we still didn't miss the Olympics. So maybe that does say something.
1: Maybe, maybe just maybe. And, uh, let alone like it's a complete shit show if you're hosting, right? Like, Bullying a stadium, anyways. We won't get into that, but uh, yeah. So, do we see that? Like, first of all, who even won the 2018 Olympics? I remember nothing, I remember nothing from that Olympics. I barely, I'm pretty sure Russia won gold, right? Like, and I think Germany had a nice little run.
0: It wasn't Russia, it was Olympic athletes from Russia uh, who won the gold medal there uh germany had a nice run once silver, and the bronze did go to canada thanks to oh. royal west academy alumnus max nora scoring the, scoring the only goal in the one nothing win in the bronze medal game which was quite the fun thing
1: was Maxime Lapierre on that team i can't remember or uh, I that kind year? of does ring a bell yeah
0: you know who wasn't i don't know if i've told this story on here before um after the 2014 olympics i decided just for fun to like project a 2018 team and see how close I would get. And for whatever reason, I was a big Ben Scrivens fan, so I put him on the team. And then you Ben Scrivens it. was on the team, even though NHLers weren't allowed. So I did get one player correct.
1: Very good, very good. Look, I you. yeah. So but besides Robaki, though, like I remember nothing for the Olympics. Can you give me one storyline that you remember from 2018? That no, not, I played. I, I paid no true. attention. That like
0: oh was it wasn't it like uh, Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer's like last hurrah? Was that they that? won gold? I think so.
1: Okay, that's cool. I'm
0: pretty sure it was like their le- there before they were retiring or something. It was like their last thing, and they were amazing. Like I feel like that was the big storyline, at least in Canada.
1: Yeah, I think so. I like, and the Olympics have become so irrelevant. It's kind of funny. Um, like, yeah, as you said, nobody gives a shit that Tokyo's canceled now. Nobody's mourning the loss except for the athletes. I feel bad for them, but you know everybody else. Uh, and yeah, Pyeongchang 2018. Where the hell was it in 2016? I certainly don't remember. 2014. That now you're talking about. Six oh, years was. Ago. was yeah. that
0: Rio 2016?
1: Was it maybe. Yeah. Okay. Rio. Like what happened in 2016 too? Um.
0: You know what I? I Andre de Grasse. Um. Penny
1: Alexiak. Okay, Penny, yeah,
0: okay. Yeah, Penny Alexiak, Andre de Grasse, and I watched this really fun handball game. I remember with uh my dad and my uncle, uh between like Brazil and. Germany or something I don't remember anyway I, I'm a big fan of watching handball the one ones there that, yeah, that that's what I missed about the summer olympics I miss handball yeah that's the one um all right enough about the olympics um, there are actually a couple other things. Well, this episode, I feel like it might run long because you have a quiz for me and I have a couple other things I want to mention. Uh, well, I want to talk about Cole Caulfield, but we can go really fast. We can go really fast. Cause Cole Caulfield has been amazing. Um, he's been almost, I think he has like 16 goals in 19 games, wow. the university of Wisconsin this year. Uh, and they wrote in the athletic about him. Uh, and his coach, Tony Granato, uh, says great things about how, like, it's not just the production, and he's, you know, improving in all aspects of the game, and he's been elite, and he's exceeded expectations, oh, and all man. these great signs about how great Cole Caulfield is going to be.
1: Oh, man. I can't wait
0: for him to join the team.
1: Um, you think he has a shot next year? Because as we've talked about, the forwards are so deep.
0: I think he has a shot uh, this year when his oh. college season ends.
1: Wow. Okay. to so this quarter uh, man. Oh, my God. Like, are you kidding me?
0: um man if if there's like i don't know i could and if there's like you know uh because they have like their eight wingers that are playing now plus the injured armia if there's like uh i don't know two injuries to wingers i would love to see Cole Caulfield get in and even if only one like i would i would definitely put Caulfield in the lineup ahead of like cory perry
1: for sure yeah you want my shot like cory perry's likable now, now that he plays for the habs i mean he's uh is a bit right. Yeah, we talked about it a bit. Research. But yeah, good point. Good point. So, uh, yeah, the hype's real. The hype's real, and you will lot to see it produce, right? All these freaking coal field haters out there. Um, go eat a bag Ooh. of apples. All right.
0: so <laughs> bag of apples to help your brain.
1: Exactly. Another thing. Yep.
0: Uh, I made a, a well. I didn't. It's not official yet, but I've accepted a trade in our fantasy league. Here's another update on that. Uh, a trade was proposed to me by a team. Called what are they called absolute studs yeah. uh i was offered dennis Gurianov and mark Giordano in exchange for charlie mcavoy and riley smith and to be to be told nothing against this this player um who runs this team who i actually do know uh but he kind of has a history of proposing you know lopsided deals for example uh once i think i proposed a trade i don't remember what it was But then he countered with something that involved me throwing in Elias Pedersen and him throwing in like Nate Schmidt. So and so when I saw this, I was kind of like, well, am I seeing this right? Am I seeing this deal right? And I was like, I was trying to find like, hmm, is there something I don't know? Does one of these players have COVID or something? Uh, And no, Dennis Gariano, who has like nine points in eight games, uh, was just offered to me. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I hit accept. And I'm, uh, I'm very pleased with it. And I really hope it goes through, and I don't see why it wouldn't. And even you, Taisei, even you who ridicules and scrutinizes every transaction I make in this league, we're like, wow, great victory.
1: Yeah, um, this seems to be a gift from the fantasy gods. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't work out for you. But in my, I how I see it is that you got two upgrades on both of these positions. I think Jordano's an upgrade over McAvoy. Uh, uh, yeah, and I also think that I think the bigger upgrade is Gurianov over Smith, and I don't know what this guy's doing. Um, I say wake up and offer me those kind of trades because I will gladly accept <laughs> that too. Um, so, you know, just stop handing him the dubs. It's awesome over here. But speaking of fantasy dubs, I am I continue to be uh leading scorer in this league, and it's it's beast mode has been activated. And by beast mode, I mean the one and only David Pasternak, third-round steal, uh, best pick of the draft, just not even close because uh, he has a point in every single game, already scored a hat-trick, and, you know, him and Connor next to each other on my fantasy team, nobody in this league stands a chance. All right, so watch out, watch your backs, and, you know, you could have 16 Mark Jordanos coming at you in that trade. You still wouldn't be able to beat me. So, uh, yeah, that's what oh. I have to say there. Yep. Uh,
0: well, I, for one, do think that McAvoy's uh, for not only way better than Jordano in real life, but also more valuable in fantasy. He's on a bit of a point streak now. Um, but in terms of your team, uh, I've decided that I don't believe you're going to win just because it makes wow. me happier, but, okay. um, I, I, I will once again, offer you Patrick Kane for David Pasternak. And if wow. you say no, you're an
1: idiot. That's not happening. I guess I'm an idiot. Um, no. you know, that's completely ludicrous. Moss is a completely ridiculous team and Chicago is complete tire fire. And I don't even know who Kane's playing with, but I think it might be with, oh, never mind. I don't know who it is. Dylan Strome. Um, it's not a good look, is what I'm saying. Meanwhile, Pasternak's played with Marshawn and Bergeron. It's not even close. It's not even close. You know, has Patrick Kane been outscored by David Pasternak even though David Pasternak just started playing? I might say even maybe. Who knows? But, uh, somebody give me the stats on that later. Anyways, when, uh, Patrick Kane Wait, has a whole season? What?
0: You're asking like points on the whole season? Who has yeah, more kills Pasternak the whole Yeah. All right, I'm looking it up right now. Um, why, why, where's Patrick Kane's hockey DB page? That's weird. It didn't pop. I put Patrick Kane DB in the hockey DB page, it didn't come up, which is strange. Anyway, uh, this year, Patrick Kane has 15 points in 12 games, uh, superstar numbers, definitely worthy of being traded for David Pasternak. Meanwhile, David Pasternak has a measly, ah, eight, points measly. eight points in four
1: games, eight uh, points
0: in four games, on only a two point per game pace. Terrible. Okay.
1: Just not Hallby, as they would say. Nerd. Right? Uh huh. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with the analytics. Uh, I think Pastor next better. So, and the analytics, okay. as in points for games. You know, that's that's what they say. That's what all the stats yes. nerds rely on. Stats um, for nerds. Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. Okay. So now that that now that we've gotten that completely atrocious trade offer right out of the way, um, shall, do you have anything else to add? Um. Besides- are going to look at the
0: standings? Are we oh, going to yeah. look at the standings?
1: Mm-hmm. All right. okay, yeah, this is a
0: segment we did quite a bit last year, actually, uh, near the end of episodes, which is just look at the standings and talk about them. And I don't think we ever came up with a name for it besides the standing segment. Uh, in, the, in the Central Division, uh, we have... Ooh, do we, I, don't, I don't think I can sort by points percentage on my phone where I'm looking at it. Uh, but if we could, Florida would be 1st six zero and 2 followed by Tampa... 7 1 and 1. Then we have the Hurricanes at 6 2 0 oh, in third place. Uh, and the Dallas Stars, who only played eight games, 5 2 and 1 in fourth, followed by Columbus, Chicago, Nashville, and the still lowly Detroit Red Wings.
1: Okay, so I had to do a double take there when I saw that through eight games, the Panthers have no regulation losses and like six wins. Uh, and then I took a little look at their opponents. And they've played the Blackhawks, they've played the Red Wings, they've played the Blue Jackets, and they've played the Predators. So they've yet to meet any of the buzz saws in that division. So they they've yet to play even the Stars, the Hurricanes, the Lightning. So you know what I say they're like the 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 Central Jets for like the Jets like a couple weeks ago when they beat the, the Sens and everybody was like, ah, look at the Jets, but they're really not that good. Um I think I think it's only a matter of time. I think um the Stars are a better team than the Panthers. Well, that's not very much of a hot take, is it? But uh, I think eventually by the end of the time the season's over, I think it's uh like the stars have been very good and the lightning, I don't even need to say anything about them. They've been ridiculous. So I think when it comes down to it, uh it's about where it's about where it should be, right? Like the standings, aside from like Florida, but they've only because they've played bad teams. Uh the Blue Jackets are pretty middling, uh like below five hundred. The Blackhawks are below five hundred. It looks about right here in the West. And the Predators are in second last. You know, it's like Nature is healing.
0: <laughs> you know, despite the fact that the Panthers have a, an impressive 6-0-2 record, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky in four games is an eight eighty one save Beautiful. percentage. And it looks like uh, Chris Dredger, who's played the other four games, uh, has been carrying the load there. He has a, a very impressive nine four two, 4 which Ooh. is not sustainable. But it, it would appear that Chris Chris Dredger has been far and away the better of the two Panthers goalies, and probably not before long, uh, he'll be the, the full-fledged starter, and $10 million Bobrovsky will be relegated to backup full-time.
1: Hmm, eh, nope. That's, I think it's only been a matter of time. It's just, like, the Panthers have nobody in net. But, if yeah, if Druger can keep it up, uh, he could absolutely steal some of that playing time. Um, moving on to the East, unless I have anything else to add uh, on the Central, uh, like nope. the Bruins have found a way to score. So, like, the concerns... With this team, going into the season, we're probably, like, we're, we're the defense, right? Uh, because, like, they lost Chara, and then they have, like, Lozon and some other dude back there. And, well, like, would they be able to score? Clearly, they have been. And, like, now that they have Pazirac on top of that, they look pretty, uh, they look like the cream of the crop there. Then we have, like, the Flyers at 7-3-2. and two. They look solid, I think. Yeah, but they're, like, if you look at their, uh, like, but they have, like, two OT losses, so they're really, like, 7 and 5 so, you know, like this whole division feels pretty even right now. And I think the points reflect that. Uh, it's just that. Uh, and it's probably the, it's, it is the tightest contested division. I think we could see that coming into the season. Um, it's a whole bunch of teams that are like Batman 500. You have like the Penguins, the Devils, the Rangers, the Sabres, and like the Islanders. They're all they're all kind of mixed in there for like fourth spot.
0: Well, the Islanders at this point are decisively in last three, four and two. Uh, which you know I like to see. That's a nice. Like, thing. I said before, is that even? I know, like, is that not even decisively last though? Like they're uh, they're well, two decisively games. last in that in that they have the least points and the lowest uh points percentage. So oh, okay. it's decisively last. Uh, and I like to see that um because from, I have big mentioned big. First of all, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that the Islanders. It just feels like they belong in the bottom and like <laughs> all is right in the world. And the Islanders yeah, just you know in general I feel like they just belong yeah. in the bottom. Uh, and also. And also, we've talked about how it's probably not good for the game to have this, you know, uh, defensive trap system team finding success, making it to the conference finals. So so to see that kind of, you know, falling flat, at least in the early stages of the season, it's nice.
1: I'll, I'll remind you that they, they're like, they have a game in hand against the Penguins and they're only three points behind. So like, and they're within a five-game losing streak. So look, I, I agree with you. I think Islanders hockey is, is freaking painful to watch. But, you know, decisively, bit of a strong word i would say um well are they not in last
0: place do you have are they in last place or not
1: okay they are last place but decisively is the one okay decisively, i've decided by
0: looking at the standings that they're definitely in last
1: okay so i guess you made a correct decision
0: in that case what if i what if i what if i use the word clearly they are obviously in last place would that be
1: better Like, would it, though? Like, they're not even that obviously in last place, though, is what I'm saying. They're obviously in last place. No, but if they they win their next game, they're, like, in a three-way tie for, like... I didn't say
0: they're definitely going to stay in last place forever. I said, at this moment, there is no case against the fact that the New York Islanders are last place in the East Division.
1: Fair enough. Well, you could make a case that if you rank them by goal differential, Pittsburgh will be last. But they don't. But, yeah, okay. Fair enough. Um, All right. Oh, yeah, it's wow, like you're exhausted. <laughs> it's... Wait, it feels about right. Like these four teams, you know, like the Rangers, the Devil, Sabres, the Islanders, they all kind of feel on the same level, don't they? Like same caliber of team. Like they all, yeah, all pretty of... The Devils are actually and...
0: the Devils are actually ahead of Pittsburgh in terms of points percentage. Ooh. Uh just barely. Uh I don't know how this if COVID's gonna affect them. Uh, negatively. I assume it wouldn't affect them positively, but at least at the moment, they're right in the thick of the the playoff fight in the East Division.
1: Yes, but uh, yeah, but it's a mess there. We'll we'll wait for it to get sorted out, and obviously a handful of these teams getting games postponed by COVID won't help us clear things up. Okay, moving to the West. We got... Like, it's so... It's like there is a big difference in games here. And we're pretty early in the season, even though like at this point, we're like, what, a fifth of the way through that? Like, like just looking at the point, it's kind of hard to get a gauge. But uh I mean, right now, the first four teams, it's like it's what you expected, right? The Avalanche mm-hmm. are first. Well, I would, I, you know, the Golden Knights, they've played three less games. They look like a buzzsaw as well. I think by points percentage, they're probably first. They, they have are. the Blues, Blues that are tied with the Avalanche. And then you have the Wild, you know, fighting for fourth place in the division. So I think it's about right. And, you know, California teams. Oh, John Gibson's been playing really well. I don't think we've shouted him out on the podcast, but uh, he's basically the only reason they're like in fifth place right now and mm. might win the might win the of hell.
0: Yeah, this kind of looks like exactly how uh, everyone said it would go uh yep. vegas colorado st louis hall very impressive records uh minnesota is doing solidly well which was my pick for the number 14 they're six and five and then everyone else is under even Batman 500 anaheim arizona san jose la all bad all still very bad so no real surprises there then of course our last one the only one with seven teams the north division montreal has uh reclaimed their spot in first place after beating the Sens today, 2-1, to one, even though the Leafs are ahead of them if we go by points percentage. Uh, they play on Wednesday, which is going to be uh, very big and have standings implications, as will probably all their games throughout the season.
1: Yep, that's not a hot take at all. And uh, I would like to sound the alarm for we have another 40-point watch on the horizon this season, uh, but, you know, modified in order to accommodate for the 56 schedule. So uh, we look at the Senators. We talked about it as being like the worst team in the NHL because uh, their roster sucks and they suck, and they keep playing their veterans uh, instead of their young players, their prospects, and all that. And you know they're off to a miserable start—two nine and one right now, five points in twelve games. And if you prorate that over an A or whatever the word is over an eighty-two game schedule, that is on a thirty-four point pace. And if you recall last year were listening back then, uh, which feels like a million years ago, uh, we had one for Detroit. And, you know, the season will cut short. So in the end, they didn't hit that 40-point marker, but I think they were on, on track to beat. Uh, so uh, this time around, we did the math, you know, us stats nerds, and 40 <laughs> points over an 82-game season is 27 points uh, in the standings. So we are on 27-point watch here on this podcast for the Ottawa Senators, and currently they are uh, not on track. To do that.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Uh Calgary, uh, they've kind of really fallen off the map here a little bit. They're four, five, and one. Yeah, what happened there? Uh, I don't know, but it opened the door. Um, for it kind of looks like uh Oilers, Canucks. Uh, right now the Oilers actually are in that fourth spot, despite the fact that they haven't really fixed any of those problems that we pointed out. They still have a terrible defense. Uh, very little scoring depth, and Miko Koskinen in net with Stuart Skinner as the backup. So the very flawed Oilers or the very flawed Canucks, uh, either one of them actually has a decent shot at making the playoffs now.
1: Yeah, I mean, like what Drysdale and, and McDavid right now are playing at a two point per game pace. How ridiculous is that? They have twenty four points in twelve games, while well, Connor does, and then Drysdale has twenty two points, and still. They have two players like that leading the league outright in points and still they're marred in a six and six record. This team is freaking terrible. And if they did not have those two players, I would say they were also, we would have two teams in the North on 40 point watch or 27 point watch. But alas, you know, it looks like, uh, they're fighting it out now. But as you said, like basically their entire team, aside from McDavid and Drysaddle is terrible. Um, they cannot buy a save. Koskinen is awful. And, you know, I don't is Mike Smith even playing? Um, or wait, no, he's injured, right? So it's Stuart Skinner, as you said, Stuart Skinner, right? So uh, it's just, it's a fucking terrible team. And you feel for Connor and Leon, who are having like freaking historic seasons at this point. They're scoring at a historic pace. And their team is like literally 500. It's kind of funny.
0: Yep, yep. All right. So I believe that you... I've written a quiz for me for this week's trivia and you kind of hinted at me before you started that it was Super Bowl theme, which is something I know little to nothing about.
1: Okay. So, we got a Super Bowl coming up tomorrow. We got the two gate two we got the two teams. Um we got the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay, Buc- Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right. So, um I've come up with a quiz. And also, you probably uh don't care one bit and frankly neither do I, but uh the Golden Globe nominations came out the other day, so uh, that's like television, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I took inspiration from that, and, and I mixed it all into a quiz called Super Actor, Super Scorer, or Super Bowler, where um, I give you a name, and you tell me if they're either a nom- they they have a nomination this year for the Golden Globes, they are going to play in the Super Bowl this like tomorrow, or Uh, The super score part is they were uh, one of the top five scorers in the AHL last season. All right. That seemed pretty clear.
0: I I feel like if I see an AHL name, I'm fairly confident I'll recognize it. Uh, But the other two, not as much.
1: All right. But even then, you know, it's like you've got a pretty good shot at just like guessing it. Right. Uh, Unlike those ridiculous quizzes where you made me like name players from like 2011 uh, this one, even if you have no idea who the hell I'm talking about, you can make it like a guess and still like have a good like 50% chance if you know they're on the AHL. Anyways, okay so I have 15 names. How would you like to proceed on uh, the threshold? Uh what did you have in mind? Like Oh, I, I don't have anything in mind, but yeah, sure, I think ten, I I was gonna say nine, but ten is good. Um because be as we said, there uh there's like a one in three chance you can guess it, right? So mm-hmm. Ten out of fifteen is the goal. Let us begin. Name number one, Travis Kelsey.
0: Travis Kelsey. All right, that's not an AHL player. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Super Bowl.
1: Super Bowler. Very good. Very good. You have to yeah. get a start. One for one. Um, maybe we should have set the bar higher. You know, if you can just automatically. No, let's not get
0: carried away after one correct answer.
1: Yeah, we all okay. All right. Number two. Mike Evans.
0: Mike Evans. Uh, that's not an AHL player either. And I I don't think that you would put in um two Super Bowlers off the top unless you're just trying to trick me. So I'm going to go with uh, one of those super golden globey ones.
1: All right. Well, in fact, I did exactly what you said I wouldn't do. And I did try to trip you up by hitting you with two Super Bowlers right off the top because Mike Evans is a wide receiver. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who will be playing tomorrow in oh, the Super Bowl, he is a great. Super Bowler, as they say, um, or as I say. Good to know. Okay. Next up, uh, we have Gerald Mayhew.
0: Gerald May- Gerald Mayhew uh, plays for the Iowa Wild, uh, so that's one of
1: these super super
0: scorers of the AHL.
1: Wow. Okay. He was third in scoring in the AHL. Very exciting. Very exciting for our boy Gerald Mayhew. Okay. Way to go, Gerald. See, like, I had never heard of these dudes. So, uh, I don't know. He kept track on the NHL because I certainly didn't. Um, Well, because he played with the
0: Wild a bit in the NHL. Yeah.
1: I did not know that. Okay. Next up, we got ourselves Jason Pierre-Paul.
0: Jason Pierre-Paul. Uh... You know, the only show I'm aware of that was nominated for a, a Golden Globe was Emily in Paris, uh, which uh, <laughs> and Jason Pierre-Paul kind of. And the only reason uh, I don't know if you saw what was going on with um, Abby Govindin on Twitter. No, I didn't. Who was you didn't?
1: Nope. What's happening?
0: Okay, maybe I'll tell you about it after because it's really funny. Oh. Uh, and right. that's the only reason I know Emily in Paris was nominated for a Golden Globe. And it kind of sound and this uh, guy sounds French too, so I'm gonna go with Golden Globe.
1: That is, unfortunately, a super bowler. Offensive um, uh, end. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. Super bowler. So now what are we at? Um, I'm at two for four. Two correct and two incorrect. Yeah, so two, two, Two for four. We're almost off track. All right, next up. Brendan Gleeson.
0: Brendan Gleeson. Um... Oh, okay. I I know there's Tim Gleason in the NHL for a while. Brendan Gleason does not ring a bell as a hockey player. Uh, Man, if you really give me four Super Bowlers before you give me one Golden Globe, that's some real mean teacher shit. So I really hope you didn't do that. Uh, I'm going to go with Golden Globe once again.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, You finally struck gold on this one. Brendan Gleason is nominated for Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role in a series so limited or motion picture for the Comey rule, which I have never heard of. Um, Me neither. I don't know if you have, but uh, okay. Shout out to Brendan Gleeson. And uh, sounds good. Okay. Next up. All right. Sam Anus. <laughs> Anas. Oh,
0: Sam <laughs> oh my- Anas? Sam Anas. Sam Anas, <laughs> I think, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> uh, that's... <laughs> my that's an... That- <laughs> that's a that's a that's a super scorer that's a super scorer he is, uh, is
1: a okay. leading scorer i don't know he is the super scorer. And- yeah sam
0: anus is the super scorer oh
1: no well, is oh, there some
0: God. sort of joke i could make about like scoring and like an asshole oh, i feel like there's a joke there somewhere
1: i was wondering what the pronunciation was that and then as soon as i said it i realized like okay that's anyways, not I it, had it- I- <laughs> Yeah, was, well, my apologies. Salmonass, noted super scorer, um, number one. Very good. Okay. So, next up, we have Nick Allegretti. Nick Allegretti.
0: Nick Allegretti? Allegretti?
1: Yes. Uh,
0: once again, this is a total coin flip between Super Bowl and Super Golden Globe. I'm going to go with Super Golden Globe yet again.
1: Man, I keep, I keep pranking you by stacking these Super Bowlers because Nick Allegretti plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, uh, why do man. I assume everyone
0: doesn't play football?
1: <laughs> I don't know, but I think you assumed that I would like maybe split them evenly, like within the fifteen. Um, so you keep thinking like I'm gonna go to Golden Globe because I haven't hit the Golden Globes yet. You're wrong. Um,
0: what so am I now? I'm like four for seven,
1: something like that. Let's see. So you got Gleason anas mayhew and kelsey so yes four for seven okay we're so uh you know you're almost there in terms of pace uh next up we have ethan hawk ethan hawk
0: <sighs> wow see at this point i'm just i'm just playing like hmm, what would i feel less dumb about uh because <laughs> like is now the time for me to switch over to guessing Guessing Super Bowl players, but then uh, there's gonna be Golden Globe, and I'm just like keep guessing the wrong one and switching back and forth, and I look like an idiot. Uh or do I just guess Golden Globe over and over and over again in the hopes that it's gonna balance out eventually. Uh it's definitely a, a predicament. Ethan Hawk. Ethan Hawk. Ethan Hawk. You know, I'm just I'm getting football player vibes uh here. I'm gonna I feel like this is stupid. Uh, but I'm gonna go with Super Bowler.
1: You're right, it is stupid because uh he is he is nominated for best performance by an actor in a limited series or motion Calls picture television for the good lord bird. Pain, um, so Ethan Hawk noted super actor, as they say here on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> Alright. So moving That's on. What we
0: said. I don't like that. <laughs>
1: So I have to go six for seven now, right? Is that right? Um, What are you, four for eight? So yeah, you got to go six for seven here. This Uh is uh, quite the predicament you got yourself in. Okay, next up, Joshua Norris.
0: Oh, Josh Norris, he played for the Ottawa Senators today. Uh, He's Mm -hmm. a super scorer. Okay, that that
1: was was your layup. Um, I recognize him, but I thought, screw it. All right, good stuff. Thank you. Oh, a good start on the 6 for 7 run that we were about to go on to. Okay. Next up, we have Jason Bateman. Jason, Jason
0: Bateman. Jason Bateman. Oh, man. I've da- I've heard that name before. Was it in the background when football was on? Or was it not that? Uh Was it because he's an actor? Uh, I'm going to go with Super Bowler.
1: Okay. Jason Bateman nominated for best performance by an actor in a television drama <laughs> for his role in Ozark. Jason Bateman is a super actor in a string of <laughs> miserable guessing that I don't think we've ever seen on this podcast before. Um where I think What's bro, wrong with I, me? Holy crap, this is crazy. Why is my brain
0: just on backwards?
1: <laughs> Oof. Oof, okay. So uh the lesson the lesson today if you are ever asked to guess if you listeners are ever asked to guess whether it's an actor or a Super Bowl player, just Alex, Alex, and then take the opposite, do of, the opposite of what I yeah, say. Exactly. This isn't going so hot. All right, next up, Alex Barre Boulay. Super scorer
0: with the uh, Syracuse hey. Crunch.
1: Very nice, very nice. See, I had never heard of this dude.
0: Not so, actor on Emily in he... Paris. Oh, <laughs>
1: yeah, you never know. Maybe he, maybe he made a cameo. But uh, oh, I was going to know. pay for this. But uh, for the super score uh category, I was thinking maybe like ECHL players. um. But then at the last minute, I decided AHL players. So I went on easy Thanks. on you. You're welcome. You know, like, wow. have you heard of ECHL players? I don't think so. Uh, maybe cream, a couple whatever.
0: that are signed to NHL contracts. Um, oh, okay. But, so uh, wait, so right now, now I'm, what am I? I'm six for like 11.
1: Something like that. Let me think. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yes, yeah, six for eleven.
0: So on, not AHO players. I'm two for seven with my guesses with my
1: fifty-fifties. Well, the 50 is too, This is just max spicy. Okay. Next up, we have Nicola U. H O U L T. I'll give you the spelling on that one. H O U L T.
0: Nicola U. Golden Globe.
1: Very nice. Very nice. Thank you. Um, I forgot what he was. Oh, he was nominated for The Great. That's the show he's in. He's in the musical or comedy section. So, all right. All right. He's on track. got there, Yeah, you got to get the next three correct. And then Thank you're you. on your way. All right. Next, we have Rami Youssef. Rami. Oh Rami how do you spell Rami? R-A-M-Y.
0: Rami Youssef. Uh, I'm leaning towards Golden Globe, so I'm going to go with Super Bowl.
1: Okay. Well, uh, you should just go with your gun on that one. Oh. Uh, no. <laughs> he's, he's, he stars in the show that is titled Rami. Um, of course so he is. <laughs> named it after himself, itself. And uh, it's a <laughs> musical or comedy. He's the lead guy there. Um, so it, that spells doom for your prospect of a successful quiz. It sure um, does. Unfortunately for you.
0: Hey, give me the last question.
1: Last two questions.
0: Last two questions.
1: Okay. Reed Boucher. Reed Boucher, no.
0: super scorer. Boucher.
1: Okay. Very nice. Yeah, you got five for five on the AHL players. So you can at least yep. console yourself with that. Um, That's why I'm a hockey
0: podcast and not a a Super Bowl Golden Globe podcast.
1: Very fair. All right, last player. Clyde Edwards Hilaire.
0: Clyde Edwards Hilaire? Yes. Uh, Well, the fact that you said last player leads me to believe we have a Super Bowler on our hands.
1: That's uh, that's a slip-up on my part. That's right. Okay. Very good pickup. Yay. But, uh, yes Clyde edwards there, running back Kansas City Chiefs um and that concludes our quiz 9 wow. for 15 um some almost miserable a pass. almost a pass 9 for 15 I think that translates to what I gave you four hockey five hockey players that's a four out of 10 10 yep so yeah which all. is
0: almost 50 50
1: which is almost 50 50. But uh, you, you went on one health. If of I had magic. gone
0: 50 50 on the 50 50s, I would have passed. Yep.
1: What well, a shame. All right. You Maybe she should, should have gone with a coin. Should have gone with a coin. Should have flipped one. Maybe that would, would have used. done better than me. Probably. Probably. Um, so are you watching the Super Bowl this weekend at all?
0: Um, I'll watch some of it, probably. I, I'll probably leave like halfway through and do other stuff or even less yeah. than halfway through because I really I can't get myself to to care that much. But yeah. that's just me. Okay. Um, all right. Oh, so yeah. the thing about Emily in Paris uh, with yes. Abby Govinden on Twitter—I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, sure. Basically, she started this bit, uh, I think, a couple months ago, where she pretended to be the creator or one of the creators of Emily in Paris. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and and all her followers, which I've been following her for a while too. Uh, she's like, a, she's a comedian. You're like, yeah. okay, this is clearly a joke. But uh-huh. a bunch of people who didn't know her as well, and she also put like creator of emily in paris in her bio like (laughs) actual actual (laughs) news sources like printed stuff that was like oh the creator of emily in paris was shocked they were nominated for a golden globe uh because she it's really funny she tweeted something that was like um oh wait i really want to find it because it was so funny Uh, i think she's like putting the bit to rest now officially though uh, she said, like she's been. Do- she said, uh, like five hours ago. Thanks for following along. I've been doing this bit for four months, and I'm tired. Please <laughs> use Google, especially if you're a journalist. Uh, so uh, I want to find it. So what she said was, as the creator of Emily in Paris, this is from February 3rd. As a creator of Emily in Paris, can I just say, why the fuck were we nominated for a Golden Globe? Lol, <laughs> I made that show as a prank. <laughs> I'm not oh, and then people, people on, from like actual news sites, like here, uh, by news desk, there's an article that says, Emily in Paris writer says that she made the show as a prank. And the, <laughs> and, journalist really was, and she said another one, uh, she said, yes, I am an Indian woman who created a show about a white girl in Paris. Why would I care about telling diverse stories when I could not tell diverse <laughs> stories and make $20 million from it? <laughs> and okay, I think, all right. yeah, you gotta I wonder what the hell them, are these journalists? Like, you know, Okay. I think my favorite one was if uh, you said Emily in Paris was originally about an Indian girl who moves to Paris. But when I pitched it, the network executive spit in my face and called me <laughs> racial slurs the following week. The following week, I repitched the exact same concept with a white girl. And now I'm nominated for two Golden Globes. And apparently someone DM'd her like, or no, sent her an email that said, I'm fascinated by her tweet about the fact Emily in Paris was originally about an Indian girl. Would you be willing to do an interview with me on this? Uh, so, like, no one caught on. Uh, and now, wow. like the actual Emily in Paris Wikipedia page, there's a section, like, creator controversy. Like, some <laughs> people thought that Avi Govindan created the show, but she didn't.
1: Controversy, controversy. Oh, man. That's, that's really hilarious. <laughs> it was a really funny bit, yeah.
0: Man, uh, like,
1: in the age where, like, you can literally Google anything. Like I know. What is, what is going on? How does
0: that get published on a website? Like, seriously. Like, wow, the creator
1: was shocked crazy uh, that's lovely okay spicy bit of news there um okay uh-huh. so uh this is a long episode i think an hour and a half yeah it's pretty long you, you got right. anything
0: else to add uh i think that's it that's it for now thanks everyone for listening to this week's fusion and hockey podcast we'll be back next week probably on sunday once again which will be valentine's day And we will talk about the hockey games that go on over the next week as usual.